Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Worldwide Tax Daily. What you're about to hear is a recording we made while we were working out the technical details and format of this podcast. It's a great discussion on an important topic, so we're releasing it as a bonus episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Worldwide Tax Daily. Joining me in the studio this week is Carrie Elliott. Carrie is a contributing editor at Tax Notes International. Carrie, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This week, we'll be talking about carbon taxes, or more generally, carbon pricing. Since the Industrial Revolution, global temperatures have risen by an average of one degree Celsius, as policymakers seek ways to hold warming below an admittedly aspirational goal of two degrees, the worlds of tax and environmental policy have intersected. Carrie, what is the basic theory of the carbon tax? A carbon tax is designed to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Greenhouse gas emissions trap solar heat in the atmosphere and contribute to global warming. Carbon is often used as shorthand for greenhouse gas emissions because it's the most prevalent greenhouse gas emission. Uh, But a carbon tax is intended to penalize those who emit carbon so that they pay the price of the damage and encourage them to reduce their emissions. It's an attempt to price carbon. Now, if I want to price carbon, what are my options for designing that system? Well, there's two ways to do that. The first is a straightforward carbon tax, which is just expressed as a dollar amount per metric ton of carbon emissions. The second type is generally known as a cap and trade program. And under that, a government basically sets a cap on carbon emissions, divides that cap into quotas, which it then distributes to industries either for free or through an auction. And then if an industry emits fewer than their quota, they can sell those excess emissions to those that emit more than their quota. That way they set a price on carbon. Okay. Is there an inherent advantage of one system over the other? It's not one is better than the other. It's a choice. The main difference is that under a straightforward carbon tax, the tax sets the carbon price and the market sets the environmental result. Under a cap and trade program in reverse, the program sets the environmental result in the form of the emissions cap and the market then sets the price of the carbon. All right. So the the theory seems sound. Put a price on emissions and people will attempt to reduce them. Is anyone actually doing it? Yes. Actually, uh, cap-and-trade programs and carbon taxes are not unusual at all. Now, the price on carbon varies widely. In Sweden, uh, their program prices carbon at about $130 per metric ton, while in Japan and Estonia, it's only at about $2 per metric ton. The EU has a cap-and-trade program that prices carbon at about $8 per metric ton. And in North America, um, California and Quebec have a linked cap-and-trade program that prices carbon at about $13 per metric ton. And a few uh, northeastern states in the U.S., they have a linked cap-and-trade program that prices carbon at about $6 per ton. Well, that seems to be a bit all over the place. Is there any consensus on what carbon emissions should cost? Not really. The closest thing to that would be uh, perhaps a World Bank report, which estimates that carbon prices would need to be between 40 and $80 per metric ton by 2020 and 50 to $100 per metric ton by 2030 in order to achieve the emissions reduction goals that are in the Paris Agreement. Uh, unfortunately, that same report says that about 85% of carbon emissions are not priced at all. And of those that are, about two-thirds of them are priced at below $10 per metric ton. Now, you mentioned the Paris Agreement, which went into effect in 2016 and calls on countries to establish voluntary emissions reduction goals. What does that agreement mean for carbon taxes? 
It's intended to address what we call carbon leakage. An industry that is in a country that has a carbon tax will relocate to a country that doesn't in order to save money. So countries that have carbon taxes lose jobs to countries that don't. And yet there's no environmental improvement because the emissions just get relocated to another place. Now, how does the agreement address carbon leakage? The agreement encourages countries to voluntarily reduce their own emissions to targets that they choose themselves. And in this way, the Paris Agreement results in a price on carbon for over half of the globe's emissions. And that alleviates these concerns about carbon leakage. In June 2017, President Trump announced that the United States would be withdrawing from the Paris Agreement. What effect will that have? The practical effect of that is that the U.S. will not be pricing its own carbon at the federal level. The question then becomes whether um, other countries price U.S. carbon by enacting some sort of cross-border carbon tax. So despite the position of the administration, are there any efforts in the U.S. to adopt a national carbon tax? Well, earlier this year, a group of former high-ranking Republican government officials released a plan that would tax carbon at about $40 per metric ton, which was estimated to raise about 200 to $300 billion a year. In addition, there were two Democratic senators, Senator Whitehouse and Senator Schatz, who proposed a $49 per metric ton carbon fee that's estimated to raise about $210 billion a year. All right. So that's a lot of money. Um, Would it go toward the deficit or would it be earmarked for something? Well, the first plan calls for a return of the tax revenue to consumers in the form of a carbon dividend, and that would amount to about $2,000 per year for a family of four. The second proposal dedicates the revenue to sort of four different projects or buckets. The first would be a reduction in the corporate tax rate to 29%. The second would be refundable payroll tax credits. The third would be matching Social Security benefits. And the fourth is financial assistance to states that are trying to uh, reduce the economic damage from climate change. For example, Florida could use the money to slow down shoreline erosion, and West Virginia could use the money to help coal workers. Now, I wouldn't mind getting one of those uh, carbon dividends, but realistically, do either of these proposals have any chance? The proposals have been widely circulated, and government is familiar with them, but I do not expect uh, the proposals to become law anytime soon. Okay, well, if there's any change, we'll be sure to have you back. Carrie, thank you for being here. That's it for this week. My guest was Carrie Elliott, contributing editor at Tax Notes International. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at TaxStew, that's S-T-E-W. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you get the next episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com backslash products. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening, and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in this podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.